0: This week, but we just want to uh, for you to come so that we can honor you next week. Also, we would love for you to invite other veterans so that we can honor those in our community who have served uh, for our country. And so, we would love for you all to uh, be here next Sunday, worship with us, and we would love to honor you next week. Um, the next announcement I have for you this morning is our children. If you are in here. Uh, Ms. McKenzie has asked that you go straight down to the chapel, because they are going to start practicing for their Christmas program. So every Sunday between now and December the 16th, uh, kids, you're just going to come straight in and go straight down to the chapel and uh, get to practicing on your children's program for us, all right? Um, I believe that's all the announcements that I have for uh, things coming up this week, So we're going to turn it back over to our band and we're going to continue to worship together.
1: amazing you've done everything for us your grace is sufficient for me, for us we worship you this morning Father God, we are blessed I thank you for your word that tells us if we confess our sins that you're faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness we have a home in heaven with you we believed on you for salvation, you have, you always do what you say you're going to do, and I thank you for being faithful today, Jesus, faithful to me, faithful to this church, faithful to the people here, we're overwhelmed this morning, and we cry out and worship to you, because you are worthy of all our praise.
2: just from where you Death are.
3: could not <laughs> hold.
1: Jesus, Jesus, we worship you at the name of Jesus. every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess that you are God. We worship you today, Jesus. You are high and lifted up. you are the king of all kings. there was no one like you, there was no one than you. We bow our hearts in worship. Walking around these walls I
3: thought by
2: testimony today. Lord Jesus, these aren't just ancient words sung throughout the generations, but they are real and profound truths. Your promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness. to me, to us, to every individual that is in this room, to every family unit in this room, and to our church family, your body stretched across this globe. You continue to prove your faithfulness. Even in the midst of Chaos, when our closest family or friends prove to be unfaithful, your faithfulness remains. And we declare this truth today. We praise you in the midst of this truth. We praise you because of it. We stand in awe of you today. You reign. You are you are the creating, sustaining God of of all the universe. You were that a hundred years ago, two thousand years ago, at the beginning of time, you were reigning. You have always been and always will be King of kings and Lord of lords. And we, we thank you for bringing us in the loop on this, for opening our eyes to be able to see the truth about who you are. And you have changed us. This, these truths have changed us. They've shaped us. They've molded us and are continuing to do that. And so we honor you. We praise you and we submit to you all that you are, all that you have for us. We are your people called by your name. And it is in the mighty, beautiful, wonderful and powerful name of Jesus we pray. And everybody said, men, you may be seated and as you are doing so, I want to invite our ushers to join us because we want to continue worshiping through our giving. So Jesus, take what we have to offer you today. Use it. Bless it, multiply it, accomplish your kingdom purposes with it. Build your church with it, we pray in Christ's name, amen. Well, it's good to be back. Thanks for letting us disappear for a little bit, but we're glad to be here. I hope, I hope you're glad we're back. I mean, I hope that's a, it's mutual. Okay, that's good. It's good that it's mutual. That's a good thing. We're kind of heading into the holiday season. Uh, we've surpassed Halloween, and by the way, if 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 you weren't here. You are doing kind of your own thing at your house. Um, that's great. I just want you to know this place was jam-packed. Um, hundreds and hundreds and, and hundreds of people. And what was especially great about this year, because we probably had about the same amount as we did last year, which was had surpassed any that we'd done before. But what was especially great about this one was we made everybody come into the building. We funneled them all through here, so we had seven, eight hundred people. I, I would guess. I mean, we didn't do a head count, so I don't think I'm exaggerating too much, if at all. And they all came through this facility, um, uh, and, and engaging our folks as they were going down. They 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 came in through the old uh, the chapel entrance, and they came down the ramp here, and we. Were, we had people lined up uh, all the way down the ramp, handing out candy. They came around here to the cafe area where they were able to get a hot dog, some chili. They came into here. We had Blacklight Dodgeball going on over here. We had a bunch of tables uh, where people were hanging out, bounce house for the kids. It was an awesome evening. And, you know, when, here's the thing, I, I'm more and more convinced of this, When you break down the barriers of people coming into the building and getting comfortable with where to go, where the bathrooms are, where the water fountain is, when you break down those kinds of barriers, it becomes far more likely for them to get themselves out of bed on a Sunday morning and make their way here to find out what it's like worshiping here because they've already gotten comfortable with the facility. So church... We were really successful at that this week, and I think that you deserve to congratulate yourselves on that. That's an amazing thing. Yes. And we'll just pray for fruit. We're building bridges, making connections, and we'll just pray that God continues to stir the hearts of people, because every step they're taking well you know through here no matter what event is going on i believe they're taking a step closer to that right there the cross of jesus christ i want to invite you to the book of first kings you'll find that right before second kings first kings chapter 18 first kings chapter 18 i'm going to begin the reading right at verse 16 Here's what it says. So Obadiah went to meet Ahab and told him, Ahab, and Ahab went to meet Elijah. So let me read that again. Obadiah went to meet Ahab and told him, and Ahab went to meet Elijah. When he saw Elijah, Ahab says, is that you, you troubler of Israel? Now let's pause there because that is an A really interesting greeting for a prophet, for a king to say to a prophet. Let me explain where we're at in history. Uh, Our first king of Israel was who? Saul, and then then it went to David, and and from there it begins to get handed down. and, And there's this place in Israel's history where the two Kingdoms. There's there's a split, and there's the northern kingdom and there's the southern kingdom. And so, as you go through First and Second Chronicles, First and Second Kings, and they parallel each other. As you go through those books, you'll you'll see that they'll talk about a northern king and a southern king at the same time because Israel has split into two. What's really unfortunate as you walk through that this kingly history especially when you get to this point, is each one seems to get a little worse than the one before. And a little worse than the one before, and a little worse than the one before. And when you get to Ahab, which this is where we are in history, essentially what it says about Ahab is he's, the, he's by far the worst out of all of them. So we're in the worst of the worst of Israel's kingly history. Inside of that kingly history, Elijah shows up on the scene and it's kind of a sudden arrival. He's suddenly this functioning prophet. He's functioning in the northern kingdom and he's confronting Ahab on this day. The reason that Ahab gives Elijah this greeting is because Elijah has brought into the land a drought. He has prophesied and he's called into existence a drought and it has not rained and because of this reality Israel is suffering greatly and Ahab blames it on Elijah. And so this is this is the reason for the greeting. Is that you, you troubler of Israel? Elijah responds, "I've I've not made trouble for Israel you and your father's family have. You have abandoned the Lord's commands and have followed the Baals. So here's where we're at. Summon the people from all over Israel to meet me on Mount Carmel. And you bring your 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table, and Jezebel is Ahab's wife. So Ahab does so. He sent word throughout all Israel and assembled the prophets on Mount Carmel. Elijah went before the people and said, and this is a key phrase here. This is a key phrase for our day, okay? Elijah says to all of Israel, whoever's in earshot, how long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. If Baal is God, then follow him. The people were speechless. They said nothing. So then Elijah continues I am the only one of the Lord's prophets left, but Baal has 450 prophets. Now, just for clarification, Elijah is, is he's exaggerating his reality a little bit. In fact, Obadiah, who started out our reading, is a functioning prophet at the time, faithful to the Lord. So even in, in our little passage here, we've got another one. But Elijah is, he's pastorally speaking probably is what he's doing. I'm the only one left of the Lord's prophets. Baal has 450. So then he sets the stage. Oops, what is this? Okay. he Sets the stage. Get two bowls. Baal's prophets over here, they're going to choose one for themselves. They're going to cut it into pieces, put it on the wood, and they're not going to set fire to it. Over here, I'm going to prepare one just the same. Then we're going to call on the name of our God. I will call on the name of the Lord. You call on the name of Baal. Whoever answers by fire, he is God. All the people said, okay, what you say is good, Elijah. So the scene begins to unfold. Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, choose one of the bulls, prepare it first, since there are so many of you. Call on the name of your God, but do not light the fire. So they took the bull given them and they prepared it. And then they began to call in the name of Baal from morning until noon. Baal, answer us, they shouted. But there was no response. No one answered. And they began to dance around the altar that they had made. Over here, Elijah begins to talk to them, begins to taunt them a little bit. Shout louder. Surely he is a God. Perhaps he's in deep thought. Maybe he's busy or traveling. Maybe he's asleep and needs to be awakened. So they begin to shout louder and louder. They begin to slash themselves with swords and spears, as was their custom until their blood was flowing from their bodies. Midday passed. They continued their frantic prophesying until the time for the evening sacrifice. All day they'd been doing this. And there was no response. No one answered. No one paid attention. So Elijah's turn. Elijah said to all the people, come here to me. They came to him. And he repaired the altar of the Lord, which had been torn down. Elijah took twelve stones, one for each of the tribes descended from Jacob. Some of them in the northern kingdom, some of them in the southern. To whom the word of the Lord had come, saying, "You shall, your name shall be Israel." With the stone, he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and, and he dug a trench around it, large enough to hold two seahs of seed. It's, this is a big trench. He arranged the wood, cut the bowl into pieces, and laid it on the wood. And this gets really interesting. Then he says to the people, fill four large jars with water and pour it on the offering and soak it. Soak it. Soak the offering. Soak the wood. Soak everything. Now do it again. And they did it again. Now do it again. And they did it a third time. It was so much water that it ran down around the altar and it filled the trench up that had been dug around it. At the time of the sacrifice, the prophet Elijah stepped forward and prayed, Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and have done all these things at your command. Answer me, Lord. Answer me so these people here will know that you are the Lord our God and that you are turning their hearts back again. And the fire of the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice, burned up the wood, burned up the stones, the soil, licked up all the water in the trench. There was no doubt what they were seeing was absolutely miraculous. When the people saw this, they fell prostrate. I'm always scared to say that word. (laughs) They fell prostrate and cried. The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. Then Elijah commanded them, seize these prophets of Baal over here. Don't let anyone get away. They seized them and Elijah had them brought down to the Kishon Valley. And there they were slaughtered. And Elijah said to Ahab, now he speaks to the king who's responsible for this whole scene over here. Now you go, eat and drink, for there is the sound of a heavy rain. Remember, they've been in a drought. So Ahab went off to eat and drink, and Elijah climbs to the top of Mount Carmel. He bends down to the ground and puts his face between his knees. And he says to one of his servants, go and look toward the sea. So he went up and he looked. And he hears a report back. There's nothing there. Seven times, Elijah sends the servant back to look. Seven times, looking for answer, looking for the rain that is is coming. The seventh time, the servant reported, A cloud as small as a man's hand begins to rise from the sea. Elijah said, go and tell Ahab, hitch up your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. Speaking about a cloud this big. Meanwhile, the sky began to grow black with clouds. The wind rose, a heavy rain started falling, and Ahab rode off to Jezreel. Now, check this out. The power of the Lord came on Elijah. He tucked in his cloak, his skirt, into his belt, and he ran so fast that he ran ahead of Ahab all the way to Jezreel. Anybody seen The Incredibles? The little little boy dash? Phew! How long will you waver between two opinions? When are you going to decide who you are going to follow? Today is the day, Israel. Make a decision one way or the other. If God is God, follow him. If Baal is God, follow him. You know, this decision that Israel had to make that day is really a decision that we're still making today. It's a declaration that that comes before us just as it did before them. Who are we going to follow? Who are we going to follow? If I'm going to be a follower, who am I going to be following? Whose name will I be called by? We're here today because we are called by the name of Jesus. We are Christians. I'm going to assume that that is your story, just like it is my story. If you're not yet a Christian, you're here because you're interested in it. You're intrigued by it. Maybe you're seeking it out, wondering what it's about. Jesus told us very simply, pick up your cross every day and follow me. Insinuating, not really insinuating, he pretty much just flat out said it. It's a daily decision that we are going to have to make. I'm assuming if we're all Christians in here, that means that you have a testimony, you have a moment in time Where you determined for yourself you were going to be a follower of Christ. You have a moment in time that you can point back to where you acknowledged that you were a sinner, needed to be saved, and that Jesus was the only Savior that could take care of business for you, and you gave your life to Him. That is your testimony. I'm assuming we all have one of those in this room today. That makes you a follower of Christ. But are you in the habit of picking up your cross every day and following him? It's really a curious question because it can be one of those things where we can go days and days, maybe weeks and weeks, months and months, maybe even years, and we don't consider picking up our cross that day. We have our testimony that we lean on, and we just kind of lean on that, and and we sort of float around as followers But yet he made it very clear we're to do this kind of a thing every single day. Pick up our cross and follow him. What does it mean? What does that mean, pick up? Because we're not walking around with crosses on our shoulders. Essentially it means dying to ourselves every day. Dying to our own agendas every day. I mean, has that been something that you've been doing? Has that been a regular practice of yours? That you would choose to die to yourself on a Monday morning, for instance, and allow the rest of the Monday that is unfolding to be a, 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 a followership? I think that there's three things. Now you know I'm a pastor because there's always three things. There's always three points. But I, I see three things in this story with Elijah that give us some practical advice on following. First thing is this. a word we call righteousness. It's a very churchy word. Essentially means doing the right thing. Now Elijah claims that he's the only one doing the right thing. He's it. Baal has all these hundreds of of, of people working on his behalf. He's the only one. Nonetheless, even though it's a little bit of an exaggeration, and he's going to find out soon, the Lord is going to reveal to him that there's 7,000 in Israel that are following God. So he's not even close to being the only one. But this is his perception. This is the way he feels in, in this time frame, in, in this space. Nonetheless, he's doing the right thing. If, if we're going to be followers of Jesus, we've got to be in the habit of doing the right thing things being people of righteousness so in just a couple with just a couple of moments of just self reflection what does your business practices look like what does your private life look like your home life all the different hats that you wear, the different roles that you find yourself in? Do you see righteousness? Are you in the habit of doing the right things? Now, some of us in here, you may feel like an Elijah in your workplace or even in your neighborhood where you're the only one. You're the only one doing the right thing. Everybody else is just doing it, doing wrong. Illegal, immoral, whatever it might be. And, and, and you may feel like an Elijah in your workplace. And I would encourage you to continue to, to be steadfast in that righteousness, to continue to do the right thing, no matter what. But Elijah's example Raise up in your heart and your mind that you just you just you know in the midst, regardless of how many over there there are doing the wrong thing, I'm still going to do it the right way because I'm a follower of Jesus. Second thing that we see in here is persistence. After the whole fire from heaven scene happens and 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 it. It takes out the sacrifice and the wood and the stone and even laps up all the water. Elijah has all of the prophets of Baal wiped out and now it's time to call for rain. It's time for the rain to come back again and if you recall he's he climbs up to the top of the mountain and and he begins to pray his, 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 he's got his he's got his face between his knees and he and he's just he's in prayer and he's sending his servant off to check things out. Is the storm cloud coming? He comes back. No. And there's a persistence in this prayer. It's seven times until finally there's just a, a cloud the size of a human hand that can be seen coming up from the sea. There, this is not a sprint. This thing called following Jesus it's not a 50-yard dash. This is a very long marathon, and we don't know when the end of this marathon will happen for us. We don't know when we're gonna cross that finish line, so to speak. And there needs to be steadfastness in our hearts and in our minds and in our spirits in regards to this thing called following Jesus. And a persistence in our prayer life. I'm just thinking of of your set of circumstances right now. What What is a significant burden on your heart and your mind? Something that you're needing to pray for? And are you willing to take Elijah's position here? With the kind of persistence... Until you just begin to see that answer starting to show up. Now let me say this. With our prayer requests, we have a tendency to instruct God on how he should answer it. Right? We have a tendency to show up with our prayer requests with assumptions about how the answers should come, when they should come, how they should come, what they should look like, and what the end results will be. But let me just remind us that we are not God. We are not the sovereign ones here. We are not the all-knowing ones here. We are finite. So let's allow God to answer the way he wants to answer, when he wants to answer, and what kind of answer he wants to bring. My guess is Elijah would have preferred maybe something a a, a little different. Maybe just an immediate, as soon as the fire came down, the clouds start rolling in. Probably Elijah didn't want to have to be in a position of persistence in this moment, but yet, He chose that nonetheless. Persistence, church. Steadfastness. A key to being a follower of Jesus. And then the last thing I see is is trust. This is where things break down for Elijah a little bit. As soon as all this happens and the storm clouds come rolling in and he outruns Ahab on Ahab's chariot, he outruns him, he's outrunning him, he's fleeing for his life. What happens is Ahab brings a report to Jezebel, and Jezebel calls for Elijah's life. I want him dead, and I want him dead now. Now, folks after all that has just happened publicly, you would think that Elijah could just stand there and go, go ahead and try and see what happens. But he doesn't. He goes running for his life out of fear. Things break down a little bit for Elijah here when it comes to trust. Now, God redeems it, and there's a a powerful encounter that Elijah has forty days later up up on Mount Horeb, where the voice of the Lord comes to Elijah. But I think this example comes before us today. What not to do? Instead, maybe we could choose to take a position of trust. A key aspect to following Jesus is trusting him. Trusting how he leads, where he's leading us. And in that persistent prayer, trusting that his response is the right response. We have a tendency to lean on our own understanding. But scripture tells us that in all our ways we are to acknowledge him so that he can direct our paths. This is, this is what the life of a follower of Jesus should look like. Trusting him. Being steadfast and persistent in our, in, 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 in our walk. And, and, and being in the habit of doing the right things. The right things. Even when we may be the only ones our circle living life that way. With your heads bowed, Jesus, Elijah's story, it's a great one. It's one we love to look at. Lots of really interesting and powerful things that we see in this story, and yet Elijah's story comes before us with some examples, some some teaching points for us, some things that we can hang on to as we head into our week, some things that we can use to assess our own life scenarios, our own life conditions. We're on a journey with you and it's a, it's, it's a long journey, it's, it's, it's a marathon, and we have chosen to follow you. And so I'm asking, Holy Spirit, that you will continue to reveal things about our lives that become hindrances to us following you. So many of the hindrances can come inside of or under the umbrella of righteousness, of of doing the right thing. I'm asking, Holy Spirit, you will give us courage to release the things that are unrighteous in our lives. To repent of whatever needs to be repented of to turn away from whatever needs to be turned away from. Essentially, making a declaration, we're not going to waver anymore about this whole following thing. We are following you. We are followers of you. And allowing that reality, that paradigm, to truly define us, label us, shape, and even remake us. And from that place, persistence and trust will just be, it's just going to be the way we do life because we are your followers. Thank you for what you have done, what you're even accomplishing right now in this moment. And I thank you in advance for what you are going to do. in Christ's name we all pray and everybody said amen um, so I think we're having a party um, a, a potluck you may have come today uh, and you know visiting popping in or whatever everybody is, is welcome to stay even if you didn't show up with anything uh, you can stay and eat or city market so close you can run over grab something bring it back happens uh, every time we do potluck. There are people doing that. That's fine, too. We're all invited to stay. Um, and the instruction that comes before us, and correct me if I'm wrong, Lisa, is we could use as many helpers as possible to kind of spread the tables out and get chairs around them. And there's a group of ladies already designated that are going to bring the food out of the kitchen just to minimize the chaos in the kitchen. Perfect. Okay. So that's it. I want to invite you to stand with me. I want to say a blessing over you and a blessing over our food. And then we will just begin to eat as soon as it's set out and ready for us. And I know somebody brought fried chicken. I'm confident of that. Confident. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine on you. May he be gracious to you. May he fill you with his peace and his empowerment this week. Have an amazing one. And Jesus, bless our food and our conversation and empower us as we head into the week. Love you all. And let's eat.